Welcome to this episode of the Essential Church Podcast, an ongoing conversation about some of the most important issues facing the local church today. I'm your host, Andrew Arndt, along with Brady Boyd and Daniel Grothy today. And we want to talk about an issue today that's got, uh, frankly, most of the nation talking. Um, just to set it up, on Tuesday, January 23rd, the 46th anniversary of Roe versus Wade, Governor Andrew Cuomo and the New York State Legislature passed the Reproductive Health Act, which drew great praise from some and great censure from others. Uh, the bill, just in brief, is designed both to expand and protect women's rights and access to abortions in New York State, and is being positioned as a sort of legal bulwark in the event that Roe versus Wade is overturned in Washington. Now, whenever an issue causes emotions to run as high as this one does, it's pretty clear that it's touching some deep values and convictions for people. So rather than just adding to the heat of the conversation, I'd like for us to add a little bit of light to the conversation so that at the very least, uh, we know what we're talking about. So guys, today I just want to start here with the simplest question that I can ask about this, which is what were your first impressions uh, when you heard about the legislation that was passed in New York? Well, it, it showed for me uh, that there are two very different views of life and the world operating in our country right now because there were a group of people in the New York legislature cheering and smiling and laughing and acting like this was the great triumph for the human race. Yeah. While for me and the people that I tend to walk with, it was a day of great sadness for us because it made abortion more accessible, it made it easier, and it almost... It, it seemed like to me that there was a total disregard for the life of the of the child. There was no mention mm -hmm. of the life of the child, and the, so again, it points to a, the great divide in our our nation and our culture. Um, it was a sad day for for me. It was a sad day for my you know for my house, um, and it was hard for me to understand why there was such adulation and such yeah. such uh, joy over this when abortion has been legal and accessible. Uh, in America now for 46 years for Roe versus Wade. Why was this such a triumph yeah. for for people um, to take a baby's life minutes before it was, uh, you know, delivered out of the womb? And for someone who has been such a proponent of adoption, um, I, I just can't imagine why um, a mother minutes before delivering a healthy right. baby would not choose to give life to that child and then place that child in the in the home of, of parents who are so desperate for children. So mm. it's hard for people to see um, the two sides. And we are very in, entrenched in our beliefs right now. And um, it's an awful situation. It was devastating to our nation. Uh, I think it was a sad day for our country. Yeah, if you had to, guys enter the the mind uh, the emotions of those that were on the side that was cheering about this what would you if you had to guess what would you say that the cheering was was over what is the what is the cause that's been lifted up or the the right that's been clinched here well it seems like that there's been a, a, a great battle for women's health rights and, yeah. and we all understand that in yeah. the hundred in the last hundred years there have been great advances uh, for women's rights, you know, the women's right to vote, women's rights to participate in the political process, women's access to health care. There have been great advances. Uh, yeah. But to to associate uh, the abortion law with women's health is very, very difficult for people because it involves a, what we believe is yes. a life that begins at conception. Yeah. And, 
and so I think they were they were cheering the fact that there was more access for women to make decisions about their bodies. Yeah. And um, but it's a pretty thin argument. But what is lost sight of is the sacredness of this life. And so we're expanding women's rights. But as somebody pointed out recently, well, half of the lives that are taken in abortions are women. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yes. Who have right. no rights. Yeah. So what does the community have to say about that? There are these like it's part of our responsibility as a society to protect all life, mm-hmm. not just one life, but yeah. both of those lives. And sometimes that gets lost sight of in this conversation. Yeah. Rights versus responsibility is what I'm hearing. The key phrases here. And, yeah. and in the name of fighting for more rights, uh, we've, we've dropped the conversation about what is our responsibility to these creatures that have been made in God's image? Mm-hmm. And what is our responsibility toward laying down our own lives for the other? And so it's got to be a conversation that takes in both both people involved, yeah. the mother and the child who, who doesn't have a voice. Mm-hmm. As someone who has an 18-year-old daughter, and I've been married to my wife for 30 years, but I have an 18-year-old daughter who's about to leave my home and go to college. I want her to have access to every possible health uh, benefit that she can get her hands on. If she is sick, if something is going on with her body, yes. I want my 18-year-old daughter yes. to have full professional yes. uh Healthcare. There's not one thing I would withhold from my daughter uh, for the sake of her health. Yeah. However, we have just a different view of of, of spirituality and of when life begins. And yeah. we, as Christ followers, believe that God is the one that knits us together in the wombs of our mother. Yeah. That He is present and that He is powerful at the conception. Right. We believe life starts at that moment. Yep. And that it's a God-given gift. Yep. To, no matter how the child was conceived, that conception. That life is a gift from the Lord and gift from God. And so we we can't back away from that. We believe that babies in mm. the womb are precious yes. in the sight mm-hmm. of the Lord, that they are a gift from God, that they that they should be cared for and nurtured and protected mm-hmm. in every way. And and God forbid if my daughter came home from college and announced to her mother and I that she was pregnant, uh, we would do everything in our our power to yes. get her professional health care, mm-hmm. but we would also do everything in our power to make sure that, that baby uh, had every opportunity to survive and to thrive and to grow up and become the fully developed person that God wants her to be. Mm-hmm. The, the one that we come to church and worship on Sunday mornings is the product of a, a difficult pregnancy. Yeah, and right. Jesus Christ and 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 Mary walks into her cousin Elizabeth's house. Elizabeth is six months pregnant, and yeah. and Mary runs at the the news of Gabriel saying, "Hey, your cousin Elizabeth." And she walks in, and at the very sound of her voice, it says, "John the Baptist in her womb leaps." Yes. And so we Christians are pretty hard to convince otherwise that life isn't sacred in <laughs> yeah. the womb. Yeah. Uh, Jesus Christ and his his cousin John the Baptist are already quickening each other, having a, a conversation, a back and forth interaction there. Yeah. Uh, this this stuff matters. It is a theological conversation that we're having right now. I want to read to you guys a quote that I this was this in my own reading this morning. This is from Karl Barth's Church Dogmatics. He's talking about the church here, and this is a great little paragraph. I'm going to read it and then ask you a question. He says that the church is the perfect form of the community because the message which the community, which is the environment of the man Jesus, so he sees Jesus standing in the community of faith, has to transmit to the world, acquires its true and essential form as the message of the church, the form of the gospel of glad tidings for all who are defrauded and deprived of their rights, Mm -hmm. for all captives and sick persons, for all who are astray and in distress. 
With such a message, Jesus himself stands in the midst of his own and proclaimed by the service of his own wills to go out into the world. And this is what has to happen continually and at every point between the inner circle of the community and the outer one of the rest of man, the gospel is to be preached at this frontier. Mm -hmm. So Bart is saying, and others would say, 2,000 years of church history, that uh, what the church does is it stands at that frontier where people have been deprived of their rights, and it advocates for this robust announcement of the gospel of life, the invitation of the kingdom, that God is for all. Part of the problem, it seems to me, one of the things that happens in this conversation is that this gets positioned as a liberal versus conservative thing. Right. And we have so much picketing and so much energy on each side that we actually don't, we don't really move towards solutions. So right. I want to ask you, um, are there ways that you see that the church can actually take this conversation and push it out beyond the binaries of liberal and conservative into places and spaces that's more constructive and helpful? What have you seen? Well, I think that for women who are uh, are walking through that stage of their life where they have an unplanned or an unwanted pregnancy, they don't see the church as a place they can go to receive compassion and grace. Yeah. What they see, and rightfully so, we're, I'm angry about the law. I'm angry about any child that loses its life unnecessarily in the womb. Yes. And so the outrage that is, is I think, a godly outrage. I mean, mm -hmm. we should be outraged yes. when we see violence happening to children, and we should always stand uh, with our feet firmly planted. However... When women come to us, I don't think women trust the church. I don't think women in that those mm. vulnerable positions are looking at the church as a place to go to get number yeah. one to have some empathy, to listen to their story, right. and not pronounce judgment upon them, and to offer them real solutions. So, will we receive them? Will we listen to them? Yeah. And will we help them? And I think if the church could uh, go to great lengths to invite women into the church, say, if you are a woman walking through this dark season yeah. where you have found yourself pregnant through rape or incest or maybe uh, just a, a boyfriend issue that, that where you were pregnant, the church has to go to extravagant yes. lengths to welcome these women yes. into our midst. Yep. And when they come into our midst, we are empathetic, mm -hmm. we're kind, we're compassionate, and we're offering them real mm. solutions. And the yep. solutions are... Our life, the, the the only solution we can give is uh, the, one life. that leads to life, yes. right? But if it, what if the church was known uh, for the adoptions yes. instead of, of, of the angry outbursts? Sure, yes. What if the church was known as a place that you could come as, and, and, and it was truly a, a spiritual hospital for the wounded soul yeah. instead of a place where you're going to get judged prematurely without listening to their story? Yeah, it's one thing for the church to say to society or to women, you must not do this. Right. It's another thing for the church to say, and in the other path that you will choose, we will foot the bill. Exactly. With our lives and our time and yep. our money and our resources and our energy, like we so believe in what we're saying that we we're willing to abandon you. Yeah, we've yeah. got skin in the game. Here. That's right. I I think very often Christians these days just go on Facebook rants. We we shout at the darkness instead of lighting a candle. Yeah. <laughs> we're we're just so mad and it's it, we we turn it into a culture war thing. Yeah. And and it stops at culture warriors yeah. uh going off on these rants. But six or seven years ago, Brady, your heart was stirred and I'd love for you to tell the story of Dream Centers opening up our women's clinic. And it's right in the really the the 
intersection of our city coming mm. together. There's a Planned Parenthood right across the street, and there's a Dream Center's Women's Clinic. Yeah. And we will we will take people in. We will give them free sonograms. We will give them ultrasounds. We will give them all the medical care for free. Yeah. And so we're not just out here yelling, hey, this is important. Let's be culture warriors. Let's be mad and get red-faced. Let's get out and let's get some five-year leases and open some buildings. Yeah. And let's bring some medical professionals together. So why don't you tell the story of how that started in your heart, Brady? Yeah, so when this uh, law was passed uh, on in January, um, I, I immediately got people on Twitter saying, how come you're not speaking out? How come you're not protesting? First of all, I just heard about it a few hours earlier, and I try <laughs> to actually pray about things before I speak. Before I talk about them. I want to talk about it. I want to, I, and, and some too many people overreact without knowing all the facts. Sure. We have seen that yeah. play out in yeah. the media recently. So I like to hear the, I'd like to hear the whole thing. I, I like to read various news reports. Yep. I want to, I don't just, I don't want to be a knee jerk about yeah, it. Okay. Too. So I, I waited several yeah. hours before I said anything. So when people came to me and asked me why I was not uh, angry, I said, well, a long time ago, I made a decision that I was going to turn my passion, my zeal into outre outreach, not just outrage. Um, and and I think that people who are all constantly outraged, yeah. if they're not putting that energy and that passion yeah. and that zeal into outreach, right. then they're just shouting at the darkness, as right. Daniel said. So in 2011, we opened a state-of-the-art medical clinic with a uh, with, that does prenatal OBGYN work. We last year we, uh, in 2018, we saw over 6,000 of the poorest women in our city. Mm. They all came into our clinic. Every, everything's for free. Yeah. Uh, we have a 4D imaging machine, which is better equipment than any hospital in our in our town has. This this sonogram machine, literally, you can see eyelashes and you can see facial features, unlike anything you've ever seen uh, in the womb of a mother. In fact, uh, the last time I talked to our clinic director. She can't remember a time when a mother came in and saw that image where they sh they did not choose to keep the baby. Mm. So we are, and it's about a forty thousand dollar machine. Every we have uh, full time volunteers. We have staff that we're paying for uh, that are on the front lines of this issue. The poorest women in our city are walking through those doors every single day, looking for care and hope. Yep. They're getting counseling. They're yes. getting prayer. It is a warm, welcoming environment. It is a beautiful, beautiful setting for these women. They feel dignified. The rooms are clean and state of the art. The yep. care is professional and powerful and spiritual. Yep. And so when I tell people, listen. Turn this zeal, this passion, yeah. uh, from outrage to outreach. That's yeah. the only way we're going to change the lives of people. And so I, I responded back on Twitter to a couple of people and said, listen, before you judge me right. for not jumping on the outrage bandwagon, <laughs> right. find out what churches are actually doing. And you'd be surprised how many local churches are quietly and effectively reaching women uh, at, at this moment of crisis in their lives. So I tell for pastors who are listening, maybe you don't have the resources that I had in 2011 to start a dream center, but there are life networks in almost mm. every community in our country right now. There are there are uh, free uh, medical clinics in every major city, and there are life network locations in almost every size city yep. in America mm. where you can get involved. Send your money, send your volunteers, go down there and pray and offer free counseling, offer, go down there and find out what they need. But there are really faithful, diligent people doing hard work in almost every city in our nation right now, fighting against the darkness of abortion. And so instead of yelling and screaming and fighting each other, yeah. let's, let's raise the, raise the light 
and be a shine the good news uh, and offer women hope. And I think uh, we're saving babies in Colorado Springs yep. all yeah. the time. Yep. And I think this is this is the only way to change the, the cultural tide. And I think it's a moment for the church to reclaim what it means to be pro-life as well. Yeah. Pro-life from womb to tomb. Pro-life right. for for the children in the foster care system. Ten years ago, we started a, uh, an initiative and partnered with Focus on the Family and a bunch of other great uh, nonprofits here in town. To there were 800 kids in the foster care system ten years ago, and and we said let's let's attack that. Let's go for that. These are children who are waiting to be brought into families, and so we stood up in front of our church a decade ago and said it's a shame that these kids are sitting there, and we all believe in Jesus, and some of you know that God has put on your heart that yes. these children. Are are supposed to be adopted into your family. We will support you. We will get you counseling. We will help pay those bills. Let's empty the foster care system in, in Colorado. And, and here we have in our church over 100 kids who've been adopted in the foster care system. And what does it look like taking care of single moms who, who are living in cars at night? What does it look like to take care of the elderly in their distress and not leave them by themselves? And so I think in our culture warrior mode, what we do is we just argue about abortion laws. We don't really help anyone, and we limit pro-life to one one yes. slice of the pie. And I think what we're seeing is that it, it means a lot to be pro-life. It, it's a very multifaceted approach. Let's Every- honor human life wherever we find it. As you were talking, it made me think even about Nueva Vida, the, yes. our, the Hispanic congregation that we merged with several years ago. And here we're doing work in one of the hardest places in Colorado Springs. And I think that that's... I just think that to me, I think that's pro-life. Yes. I think that what it is is you're trying to tilt the field. Wherever the late Pope John Paul II used to talk about the culture of death mm-hmm. that's so prevalent in our society today. And I think that wherever the church is pushing the barriers of that death with life, mm-hmm. the announcement of the gospel, discipleship, programs to help people get employed, job training, all that stuff, the dream centers, this is the advance of the kingdom. It is the advance of the kingdom of life in the midst of the country of death. And and Christianity has always been based on the idea that we will go out to the margins of our yes. culture and rescue. Yep. One of my favorite early church stories is that in the Roman culture, when babies were born that weren't wanted, they were put out on the streets. Right. To, I mean, the babies literally were taken from the birth canal and put out on the street, and they didn't care what happened to them. Yeah. They were thrown, and throw, they were thrown throwaway kids. Yep. And Christians would go around and pick up these kids before they were died and they would nurse them back to Not hell on our watch. And, yeah. and adopt them into their families. And what happened is that, that the Romans began to be embarrassed by how poorly they yes. were treating their unwanted yes. children yeah. because Christians were showing such compassion yeah. for these babies that nobody wanted. And I think we have to get back yeah. to that ethos in the church where I want every woman in Colorado Springs who finds herself in an unwanted pregnancy to remember, hey, there's a church yes. that if I call them, we're going to love them, we're going to talk to them, and and we're going to make sure that she has access to everything she needs yeah. to bring that baby to full life. And then we'll work with adoption agencies that are very doing good, good work here in mm. our city. I know of several couples right now, and I think there may be some women that are actually listening to this podcast. Yes. Uh, I know families who would love your child. They will give take life. A baby to, today. They will take that baby right now. And it, and all they have to do is call our church, and I will get them with the adoption agent. We're not an adoption agency, mm-hmm. but we are working in tandem and in close, uh, pr- uh, close relationship with adoption agencies. Mm-hmm. And I can promise you 100% of the time, if you will give life to yeah. the baby, that baby will find a home. 100% chance your baby will find mm. a home. 
absolutely guaranteed. Amazing. Guys, I love what we're saying here. I, I want to shift our attention just in the last couple of minutes that we have to the individual. Um, uh, we've talked a lot about creative action, which I love, but there is a space for lifting up our voice mm -hmm. and saying not on our watch and we're not going to have it. And this is wrong. Like the church, part of what the church does, Jesus said that we're the light of the world. And part of what that means is that we illuminate yes. the true meaning of being human. So there's a space for our voice to be heard. We should lift up our voice. And I want you to talk to the individuals that are listening and help them maybe think about how can you enter that? How can you enter the public sphere of conversation without necessarily being combative or culture <laughs> warrior-ish, but how can you do it in a way that you're, you're speaking to the gospel of life? Well, politics do matter, and you will never hear me say that we should not be involved in politics. Yeah. Uh, we should not be partisan. I've always said, don't be partisan, but be political. Yeah. Because politics do matter. I mean, laws matter. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, laws will determine the thriving of our community, so yeah. unjust laws will hurt our community. Yep. Just laws, biblically-based laws, will actually help yes, our community do. thrive. Yep and lift people out of poverty and help them find hope in our communities. So politics do matter. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so I do think um, for, for all of us, we should contact our legislature, our state and national legislators and tell them yep. we are, we are, we are, biblically pro-life people. Yeah. We believe in the sanctity of life. We believe life starts at conception. Uh, we And we have very good reasons why. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, and we're here to help. And so when I, I and I've had tons of, of conversations with congressmen, senators, with our governor uh, on local, state, and national levels. And mm -hmm. what I've said is, listen, I want you to know I am pro-life and, yeah. and I, you cannot change my mind about that. However, tell me how I can help you. Yes. So I, I come strongly and say, yeah. my votes will follow my beliefs, okay? Yeah. I, I believe in life. Mm -hmm. I'm going to vote pro-life. Uh, it's not the only thing I vote on, but it's one thing I do consider very carefully when I vote. Um, it's not the single issue, but it's mm -hmm. a, one of a very important issue. But also, hey, I want to partner with you. Yes. Let me know how I can help. So I know your state agencies are out of money. I know that the government can't solve all of our problems. So call me into those meetings. Count yeah. me in. Mm. Include me into the conversations. So if you go in a combative way and you're right. like, hey, I'm here and I'll, I'll pose you, you're not going to get invited to the meetings that you can actually help with. Right. So if you tell them I vote and I and I want to be involved, yep. then I can promise you, uh, you make a difference. Mm. And it doesn't take many phone calls mm -hmm. to your congressman or to your state legislators before you get their attention. It's just 30 people will call an office one day and say, hey, I'm going to vote pro-life. Mm -hmm. It's a big issue to me. This is important to me, and all my neighbors and friends are going to hear about it. And secondly, count me in when there's time to volunteer. So, I'll, I'll participate. Yeah. You will so get feedback. It's a small feedback. slice of the electorate, but it makes a big difference. For 2,000 years of church history, we have a history book that tells us Christians aren't just those who call out problems. They right. participate in the solution. Yep. So let's be people who are ready to participate in the solution and see what God might do. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Essential Church Podcast. Our goal is always to strengthen and provoke the thinking of church and ministry leaders. And so if you found this or any episode helpful to you, please go to iTunes and leave us a review. Your reviews help leaders just like you find our podcast. And if you have any comments or suggestions on people or topics you'd like for us to cover, be sure to let us know via social media. And of course, please do share this and other episodes you find helpful around the web. Grace, mercy, and peace be with you. Mm -hmm.